You're listening to The Big Show on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Big Show, Hour 4 continuing. I'm Patrick Dumas, Alex Brody, our producer. Go back down that Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Keep the prospects and draft conversation going uh, with one of the best in the business, Scott Wheeler, the national reporter on the NHL draft and prospects over at The Athletic. Scott, how are we doing on this uh, Tuesday morning, buddy? We are doing well. I'm winding down the last week of a six-week parental leave here. So uh, getting ready to get back into the swing of things and ramp up towards U18 Worlds in Switzerland in a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's coming to that time. Draft season is near as we wind down the regular season into the postseason. A lot of of the draft names will start popping up. We get closer. Combine, U18s, it's all coming up. Uh, We'll start here with a little bit of local flair. Uh, Brad Living, uh, Flames general manager, flying out to Bridgeport uh, to watch uh, Flames top prospect Matt Coronado uh, with uh, all intention of trying to sign him uh, whenever the Harvard, Harvard season ends. Uh, you ranked him 27th on your best NHL drafted prospects. After seeing another full year uh, of Coronado, would you still have him around that 27th mark of players outside the NHL? Yeah, he's sort of right in that yeah. that tier below the true, true stars, below the, the Luke Hughes of the game, mm-hmm. that kind of a thing. Um, Simon Nemec, I would include in that group. There's actually several defensemen sort of in that top tier these days, and there really isn't a true sort of high-end forward prospect who's drafted and still outside of the NHL uh, because last year's draft was a little bit of a weaker one. Mm-hmm. Really, the, the top forward prospect playing outside of the NHL these days is Logan Cooley for my money, and I think a consensus among scouts would agree. Um, but outside of Logan Cooley, there's really a glut of, I don't know, 10, 20 forward prospects playing or sort of around the globe, whether mm-hmm. it's in college, junior, Europe. And Matt, Matt fits right into that tier. I, I think he's got a real opportunity to be a, a beloved, sort of two way, competitive, talented top six winger who plays a hard game, can score, works his tail off. Uh, I think he'll endear himself to a coach who 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 likes all of those things mm-hmm. uh, in Calgary. Uh, if if Daryl's still around long term, and uh, I'm I'm a big big fan and a big believer in in Matt's game and and its sort of projectability. He just looks like an NHL player at this point. Daryl Sutter has said uh, on record the NHL isn't a developmental league, and that that's totally mm-hmm. fair. Uh, we know Coronado isn't signing here to go to the AHL right away. He, I mean, he, we've seen how he's handled some younger, the younger players this year at points. I mean, uh, Jacob Pelche, the comments after his first game. Is, is Coronado maybe cut from a different cloth that can make him a more of a contributing player sooner rather than later? I think because of that, that sort of work ethic piece, Coronado's a classic example of a kid who's not sort of top six or bust. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of kids, and I would actually – it runs counter to the point I'm about to make, but I would actually make that same case for Jacob Pelletier. Jacob Pelletier has always played an extremely detail-oriented, conscientious game. He was a tremendous defensive player in, at the junior level, has been a reliable player from day one in the AHL despite his size, really understands where to be. Uh, but I think Coronado brings a little bit more pace, uh, a little bit more physicality, mm-hmm. And just, a, a, I wouldn't say snarl because he's not a mean player, but he, he's involved in everything. He's in the guts of the ice. He's 
engaged in battles and capable of engaging in battles, maybe in ways that that Pelletier isn't quite capable of. So I think those things will help him and they'll allow him if he has to start his career on the third or fourth line, they'll allow him to really fit in there in ways that maybe some of the other prospects in that 10 to 24 top forwards range that I hinted at Mm -hmm. wouldn't be able to. A lot of those kids have to be getting PP one time. They have to be getting touches. They have to be playing with other talented players. I think Coronado is going to become a real driver in the NHL, no matter who he's playing with. And that's a testament to both his style of play and his makeup. So uh, that piece, I think, will help him with Daryl, even if Daryl has has been reluctant with some of the kids over the last couple of years. Uh, One of those kids, Jacob Pelche, uh, got back into the lineup last night after a couple uh, couple games as a healthy scratch. Uh, What have you seen from him in his first uh, handful of NHL action? I I see a lot of energy in this kid. He shows some skill as well. Uh, He's played with pretty much, uh, he's played with uh, quite a few different uh, number of wingers and centers uh, here in Calgary since coming over. But what have you made from uh, Pelche uh, in his first handful of action? I think he's been fine. I know he didn't have the training camp that the Flames, and that wasn't just Daryl speaking when he said that. I think the Flames uh, sort of top to bottom, at least from a couple of the folks I've talked to in the organization, were a little bit disappointed in his training camp and expected him to challenge for a roster spot more than he did. Um, and, and But I think since then, since he sort of slowly worked his way into the lineup here, I think he's been fine. I haven't had any issues when I've tuned into Flames games and, and sort of keyed in on him as I do with all of the kids as they break in and uh, I think he's going to figure it out. If Coronado is going to be that sort of top six right winger, I think Pelletier's maybe a cut below that and probably projects more as a, a middle six left winger. Um, but I, I still really like Pelletier to become that and to become a, a 40, 45 point guy who can play on your second power play unit and create plays offensively in a depth role. And then also be that, that sort of reliable player, despite his size, be a player who, isn't a liability whatsoever defensively. So uh, I, I'm a I'm a fan of Pelletier. Pelletier was a kid I was high on in his draft year, and mm-hmm. he's just progressed. He's progressed nicely ever since, and has just been on a sort of steady incline. And I think you give him another couple of years, and he's going to establish himself as an important part of that team. Uh, Dustin Wolf, uh, another elite pro season underneath him here uh, in, with the with the Wranglers. It, it, do you think the best thing for him it would be a, just another year in the AHL? There's there's no rush on Russian goaltenders right now. Just just another year. The Flames don't need to push him. Do you think is this a guy that could use another year uh, of AHL hockey, or is this maybe a a guy that potentially could be on the move uh, as a as a pro, as a as a play in a, in a trade of some sort for a team that maybe is on a, a younger up and up swing that maybe Wolf could play in more of a, a, a more important role right away. I honestly think uh, my answer would probably be neither of those things. Okay. I think he should, they should make room for him with the Calgary flames. I think he can capably play in the NHL next year without a question. And I think he's quite, quite potentially, I would not be surprised and this may seem bold for a, 21-year-old goaltender. He'll be 22 in a month. Uh, I believe he's an April birthday. But uh, I, I think he's he might be the most talented goaltender in the Flames organization these days. And I know that's saying a lot considering where Jacob Markstrom was just a year ago. But I truly believe that they would be a better team right now and that they would have, had they integrated him sort of after the trade deadline or even shortly before the trade deadline this year, that they might have won a couple of games that they've lost. I think the world of Dustin Wolf. I think outside of Jesper Wallstedt, the, the sort of star goalie prospect with the Minnesota Wild, that Dustin Wolf has a really strong case to be the second best goalie prospect in the sport right now. 
He has done nothing but be exceptional at every level. He has never even just been good, let alone mm-hmm. poor in a season. And I fully expect that it's going to continue to work. He moves so well. He's so controlled. Everything is swallowed in the chest. His rebound control is high, high end. He's, he's quick on his feet. Everything that you kind of hope that a goalie who's sort of six foot, five eleven has, he has. And there aren't many, obviously, in the mm-hmm. NHL having success as true sort of number ones, right? We, we've seen Saros have success. Yaroslav Halak had his heyday. Uh, we had Anton Kudobin go on a run to the cup final. But they haven't – all of those guys outside of maybe Saros and a couple of others have, have never really been bonafide uh, sort of number ones. And I truly believe that Dustin Wolf is going to become, become that, and I think it would be – really sort of poor short-sighted asset management to prioritize uh, a Dan Bodar or uh, even a, even a Jacob Markstrom over a player who could be a huge part of your, your future and who could be cost controlled for several years due to his RFA status. So uh, I, I'd be, I'd be prioritizing him. I would be making him and Matt Coronado the, the two biggest priorities in the organization moving forward in terms of both getting them into into NHL action and then putting them in roles where they can be counted upon and they can run with it. Yeah. And I think this, this is an organization that has, has gone into the goaltender market in the past, in the first round and, and really gone after higher guys. Like I'm thinking like Leland Irving or Mason McDonald guys that they, they really thought highly of, but just never could get it going in the NHL. And then they go and find this guy Seventh round, obviously he's there probably because of his size. If he was six four, he's probably a top, uh, probably a top two three round pick, right? Yep. Yeah. So it's got to be the size that would keep him down. What would be a comparable? Would it be UC Saros or is it something that Dustin Wolf is is a is an is an, a unicorn almost? Like there is no other guy like Dustin Wolf. Yeah, he's pretty unique just because there aren't many players. Like, he doesn't remind me of a Halak. He doesn't remind me of a Kudobin. Kudobin really swam around the yeah. net, and um, he doesn't play that style at all. So definitely a pretty unique. There's actually another goalie prospect, Devin Levi, though, who yep. just signed with the Buffalo Sabres last week, who fits a very similar makeup just in terms of being decently athletic but not the Jonathan Quick, Marc-Andre Fleury-type mm-hmm. athletes. And then just doing it all with control and holding their outside edges and sticking with shooters and tracking the play through traffic and just really making it look easy in the net despite being small, which is very difficult to do because they smaller goalies obviously tend to move, move a lot more than bigger goalies. And as a result, you can pull yourself off your lines and get out of position in the net and sort of succumb to scrambles. And that's where a lot of those goalies run into trouble as they climb up the ranks and the game gets quicker mm-hmm than it is in junior. And that just hasn't happened with Dustin. So uh, a pretty unique goalie doesn't really remind me of, of anyone in the NHL currently. We're talking with Scott Wheeler, the uh, national reporter for the NHL draft and prospects over at the athletic. Uh, a couple more points on the flames here. Uh, you ranked them at the 20th in your rankings. Uh, I believe that were in January. Uh, mm-hmm. Now Connor Zary is probably the next one. I think flames fans think would uh, deserve a call up. Obviously they're running out of runway here to be using call ups. Maybe this would be a, a training camp next year. Connor Zary might make the team, but what else, uh, what else could this flames organization use? It's been a, an organization that's never really been a top 10 organization in prospects. It's kind of floated between 15 and 25. It's never bottomed out. What could this organization use a good inf- uh, influx of come draft day? 
Well, easier said than done. Yeah. But their hole is is the two big ones, which are center and 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 defense. Mm-hmm. I, I, they've got a lot coming on the wing. Uh, we've mentioned Coronado. We've mentioned Pelletier. I think Zari, despite having played a lot of center coming up and even in the AHL, mm-hmm. is probably a winger at the next level. So really, there isn't among their three best forward prospects, which are definitely those three players. Uh, there isn't likely a future center in that group. Mm-hmm. And then despite being fairly deep in net, I mean, we talked about Wolf, but Arseny Sergeyev at UConn had just had an excellent, excellent season and looks like he might be a potential option for them somewhere down the line if they can be patient, no rush there. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've got they've got good depth in net coming, good depth on the wing. But really on the blue line, outside of Jeremy Poirier, who's a bit of an enigma himself, yeah. there isn't a lot to get excited about in terms of D prospects within their system. I know Poirier had a nice training camp and has had a good season offensively in the AHL. I know he has also worked very, very hard in recent years to to sort of button up his game defensively. And uh, that was a big, big concern of his in junior when they drafted him where they did was just how dynamic he was offensively, but how risky he had to play to create that offense. And so that's a work in progress. I think they'll take their time with Jeremy Poirier. He's 20 years old. This mm-hmm. is his first season in the AHL. No rush there. Uh, and really outside of Poirier, there's not, there's, there truly is not a lot there uh, on defense. So I imagine that center and D will be their targets at this year's draft. And unfortunately for them, those are the targets for most other teams yeah. as well. Well, some of the most important team players on the ice come from the center and defense position for sure. Uh, Connor Bedard, uh, obviously in the midst of a 140 plus point season, First WHLer since 95-96 to hit that mark. First off, give yourself a pat on the back. He predicted that he would hit that mark uh, despite missing time because of the World Juniors. Uh, there might be no comparable for this kid. But what can more be said about 98 as he's going to make some team very happy here in a, uh, come May 8th for the draft lottery? Yeah, I truly believe this year's draft lottery is going to be as tense as we've had since McDavid, and that's including the Austin Matthews uh, draft lottery of 2016, which uh, was pins and needles for some teams that badly needed him. So uh, this is going, it's going to be a ton of fun. I can't wait to see the reactions of fans as their cards do or don't show up during the countdown and eventually that big reveal at number one, it's going to be a spectacle. And that's exactly what the NHL is hoping for with turning, trying to turn the draft lottery into this big televised event. So that piece of it's going to be great. Really the only question anybody has uh, in NHL circles about Connor Bedard these days is whether he's going to be a superstar at center or a superstar at wing. I really do believe that's the only question mark. The only thing that's uncertain about his game these days, he's got the skating, he's got the shot, he's got the playmaking He has proven that he's an extremely competitive player. Uh, Teams are very charmed by his competitiveness and how involved he's been, the chip on his shoulder he has started to play with, all of that. So no questions asked. He's going to be a a true premier talent in the NHL. I think he's got a real opportunity to become a regular 40, 50 goal scorer and point per game player, all of that. Uh, It's just a matter of, okay, can he be that at center? Can he be the best version of himself at center? He has played center with the Regina Pats exclusively. He's okay in the face-off circle, slightly above 50% uh, in in the WHL, which typically translates to slightly below 50% in the NHL. Um, and and it, the, the size piece, he's a very strong kid, very, mm-hmm. very strong kid. Yep. Sort of the, the classic thick legs, all of that. 
but NHL coaches are going to have varying opinions about him, and I don't think he's going to be an excellent defensive player when it's all said and done. There's, you're going to see him hemmed in at times throughout his career and that kind of a thing just because of the style that he plays. And if, that, if, if, if the coach that he ends up with decides that he's better suited at the wing, I think that he'll still be one of the very best wingers in the game. Uh, but that's that's really the only thing that that teams are going to have to decide on is okay is he starting next year in our top six at right wing or is he starting next year in our top six at center and I think we're going to see a, a Calder Trophy season out of him uh, that we haven't really seen out of recent first overall picks even Jack Hughes as great as he is now didn't have that kind of a year yeah. right away obviously Alexi Lafreniere didn't etc so uh, Nico Kishier had a good season but not a great one. I think we could see him on the right team with the right line mates, uh, have an immediate impact, fill the net on the power play, and, and really turn himself into a star immediately in the NHL next year. So I can't wait to watch him and see how it all plays out for him next fall. We, we talk about what the right team would be for Connor Bedard. And so obviously it's going to be a team that needs more than Connor Bedard to get back to a, a level of contendership. Maybe some get Bedard in their quicker Uh, getting back to the top than they are others, I would say. But what would be a a good spot, landing spot for Bedard? I look at, a lot of people don't want it, but I look at Columbus because of the potential line it could be with a Goudreau line, a Bedard lineup. San Jose, they're they're a long way from contending. And then Chicago, obviously they could use that boost up as well. But where are these teams? Like Anaheim's there as well. They got some young guys. Montreal's got young guys as well. But where could Bedard fit the best in his first few years in the NHL? Oh, very good question. Um, I, I, I haven't given it a ton of thought. Mm-hmm. I've given thought to where I think the, mo- the most fun outcome would be, and I think the two easy answers for that are probably Montreal and Vancouver, although I'm sure yeah. Flames fans don't want to hear Vancouver. <laughs> I just think that would be whether they the hometown whether fans thing. believe that he deserves it or, or, or Vancouver deserves it or whatever seems irrelevant to me I think it would be a real joy for him to go home and a real special thing for him to go home so that would be incredible uh, Montreal just for being in a big marketplace like that uh, all of that would be huge for him for his star for his marketability for in particular in Canada the the commercial piece of it and oh, we, yeah. we lose sight of it but, but him and his agent are thinking about that of course and Montreal is a lot different than Anaheim in that regard right so mm-hmm. um, it'll be it'll be fascinating as far as fit he certainly has friends in Anaheim and in Columbus. Him and Kent Johnson yep. uh, grew very close, uh, and Kent it could be a potential line mate for him in Columbus as well, and I think they would actually really complement each other quite nice with Kent's ability to make plays from the perimeter and facilitate and all of that. Uh, and then obviously him and Mason McTavish. I think he would call Mason McTavish a dear friend at this point. That was his roommate at the World Juniors, and they, they developed a really sort of special kinship between the two of them. So Anaheim would be a great fit for him that way. Uh, Mason's a center, so it would, I think Anaheim would be a tricky one for him. Do they keep Trevor Zegers at center? Do they keep Mason McTavish at center? Uh, they'd have to figure all of that out. Um, and then the the other one that's that's obviously uh, sort of the the cloudy one is is Arizona, right? And yeah. just what that would mean to the Arizona Coyotes and how transformative that could potentially be for the Arizona Coyotes and the idea of him playing alongside a, a player like Clayton Keller, mm-hmm. uh, as much as Chicago's a huge market, Chicago 
really would probably be the worst case in terms of immediate help. Now, they have cap flexibility and an, uh, an impressive stable of prospects, including three first-round picks in this year's draft and two in the next two drafts after this one. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a p- potential that they could add some really young talent around him. But there is nobody on this current uh, version of the Chicago Blackhawks that would be a natural fit with him in the way that a Cole Caulfield yeah. or a Clayton Keller or – uh, you go down the list with some of the other teams, a Mason McTavish, a Trevor Zegris, a Kent Johnson, a Johnny Goudreau. There are already established players with just about every team other than the Chicago Blackhawks. So it'll be fascinating one way or the other. I, I don't think you can lose with him. I don't think he's nope. going to be terribly reliant on his line mates. Uh, and, and all of those teams will have a chance to rebuild pretty quickly and accelerate their process with him in the fold. Oh. The Hobie Baker finalist came out. Logan Cooley was your best uh, drafted prospect, currently not in the NHL. He put together another amazing season uh, down in Minnesota. Projected top three pick, Adam Fantilli, was all, is also a finalist. Who's got the edge in this? And uh, what are maybe some other names that could uh, maybe uh, make, uh, make a name for themselves uh, when they announce the Hobie Baker award winner? Well, certainly there are a couple of goalies who I think uh, goalies are always yeah. a, a factor in this award. They play a lot. Top goalies in college hockey typically play every game. It's not rare to see a goalie play 39 of a team's 40 games Mm -hmm. in a season and uh, start every game and that kind of a thing. So uh, they're always sneaky, and some of them are lesser names. They're often undrafted. Uh, Certainly, I mentioned Devin Levi. He's he's in that conversation. Mm -hmm. But uh, among that group, Yaniv Peretz of Quinnipiac has been tremendous for the last two seasons. I fully expect that he'll get signed. Ironically enough, Yaniv and and uh, uh, Devin Levi are actually from the t- same town and b- grew up as a tandem wow. playing AAA hockey in Quebec uh, together. So quite the success story for the Lacing Louis Lions there. But those two guys, I think, are certainly in the conversation in terms of narrowing the list down from the top ten to the hat trick, the Hobie Baker hat trick, which is the final three. Uh, and I'm certain. I mean, you mentioned the others, Logan Cooley, no question. Uh, deserves to be in the running and potentially win it. Adam Fantilli deserves to be in the running and potentially win it. I do think that out-of-conference play doesn't take on for voters as much of a role as in-conference play. And Fantilli really beat up on some poor college opponents when they played out-of-conference at Michigan this Mm -hmm. year. Uh, He wasn't actually the leading scorer in Hockey East. That was actually Logan Cooley in, in terms of conference play. So that does matter. He's also wasn't a great defensive player this year. He was on for a lot of goals against and that kind of a thing, which which voters will care about. So I think fans expect it to be Adam Fantilli just because he was the highest scoring player in college hockey. He's the freshman. He's the big name. He did things that we haven't seen a freshman mm-hmm. do since Jack Eichel. All of that is is true, and he's been tremendous, and he was just absolutely outstanding last week in hockey East. He led the hockey East tournament in scoring again with seven points and all of that. So um, it's uh, it'll be an interesting race. I think Fantilli might get uh, a little bit of name cachet working in his favor when push comes to shove, but all of those guys, Cooley, Peretz, Levi, um, there are several deserving candidates in the mix. Scott, thank you so much uh, for doing this. What you got? I know you're you're, you're going back to work here uh, in the next couple uh, couple weeks. Here, what do you uh, what do you got cooking up at uh, the athletic uh, in the future that we can uh, look uh, look forward to? 
Uh, just a ton of uh, stories and features I've been working on on the kids at the top of the draft okay. as, as things approach. I've got stuff coming uh, that I've been working all year on, on Leo Carlson and Santilli and just getting to know them and their stories and the people around them and all of that. That's a big part of my job. And then U18 Worlds is right around the corner. That's kind of the, the big finale for me. So a couple of weeks from now, I'll be flying out to Switzerland for, for 12 days to take in the best that this draft has to offer in terms of first-year draft eligibles. Canada's team is typically a little bit weaker at that tournament mm-hmm. because they don't make players who are still playing in the CHL playoffs available. So it's typically the USA's tournament to win. I expect it'll be the same this year with a loaded national development program team at, at USA Hockey that's going to produce several first-rounders this year. But uh, really that, and then we're in, we're right into the combine in Buffalo and the draft in Nashville and then final draft rankings and all of that. So uh, lots to lots to button up and get finished here in the next couple of months. Looking forward to it, Scott. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll do this again soon, probably around draft time. We'll we'll give you a call, buddy. Cheers. Talk soon. Thank you so much. There you go. That's uh, Scott Wheeler, the national NHL draft and prospect writer over at the Athletic. Uh, getting back to work after some parental leave. Big guy. Uh, nice take on Dustin Wolf there, eh? We uh, just had Sam Cosentino on an hour ago saying. This is a guy that maybe the Flames trade in the summer as uh, he needs to go to a younger team on the transition. While Scott Wheeler says that the Flames need to do everything they can to get Dustin Wolf into the lineup, and I think it, you know, it it serves uh, it serves a definitely good debate here as Dustin Wolf probably is the best goaltender currently not in the NHL right now. That's uh, of a prospect. I believe Dustin Wolf might be the best goaltender that's not currently in the NHL. Yeah, it was it was. Like listening to Sam because I was I was looking for something about Wolf from Sam mm-hmm. and then you know Sam said what he said <laughs> and then Scott dropped that and I was like whoa now now we're kind of seeing both both kind of agree that he should be in the NHL but I guess maybe the 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 environment that he's in is is where they it, and I've always wondered like if it gets down to the point where the Flames are mathematically eliminated they get they don't give Dustin Wolf a game or two just to see what he's got they have two call ups left. They don't have to be emergency. They can send them back down, I'm sure, before uh, to get them ready for the playoffs with the Wranglers. But, yeah, that's uh, one thing to follow. The Flames do have two top prospects that are pretty good right now. Matt Coronado, obviously not signed right now. Brad Tree Living flying out to Bridgeport, Connecticut uh, this weekend to watch uh, Matt's Harvard Crimson take on Ohio State in the opening round of the NCAA uh, hockey tournament. Uh, so that'll be one to watch. Whether or not Harvard's season ends against Ohio State, that'll be another question, but... Uh, We'll see. It will be. I'm, I'm pretty sure this kid wants to play, whether or not it's uh, it's right now and with the way the situation is with the coach and the GM, it might be a little messy, but I think this is a player that needs to be in Flames Silks definitely next year. And, of course, Scott joined us down the Atlas Pizza Sports Bar guest hotline using the same secret recipe since 1975, dine-in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast, takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. It is a Flames game day. They, uh, back-to-back, they're in uh, Anaheim tonight, taking on the Ducks. 7 o'clock warm-up with uh, Steinberg and Lubo. 8 o'clock puck drop with Derek and Peter. Uh, they have the call right here on Sportsnet 960. Fan. Around the corner, we'll replay our conversation with Adnan Verk, uh, WBC, some Oscars wrap-up, uh, and a little bit more with Adnan Verk here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan.